Okay, people. So I have got with me one of my favorite people in the goddamn world. It's uh, Miss Cindy Cooper Blair, who is an incredible artist, people. Cindy, thank you for uh, jumping on. Appreciate Thanks it. for having me. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. That's and it's good to see way. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just feels like a, a long ass time. I can't think of, I was trying to think the last time that I saw you, and that was 2019, I think, right? Like in person? Yeah, yeah. In person, that was 2018. We came the summer of 2018, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> yeah, time, just, fuck, yeah, time. I just feel like, yeah, there's, there's everything just kind of, has merged and disappeared. I, I feel there's things happened at different times and they did not. It's weird. It's madness. Weird. It's madness. Mm. I just I just know because um, I think I had a memory come up yesterday on um, Facebook. Not yesterday, but in August because we were there in yeah. August. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But yeah, since you you've just been kicking ass man like just producing some really incredible things yeah the past year has been really kind of um awfully amazing <laughs> <laughs> you know so, amazing yeah. studio and, you know you know so you're an artist right and the, over the last few years it looks like you've been kind of concentrating a lot on light art and sculptures mm -hmm. right so what was your what was kind of your base because I remember the, when I first met you you were like a teacher so what kind of what did you study and how like how the hell did you get to this point so I um well, I don't know how far you want me to go back, but I, my original training was in painting and drawing. That was my original degree. And that, that's what I got my master's in, um, uh, my MFA. But when I, but while I was in graduate school, there was a really wonderful sculpture teacher um, at um, SUNY Albany where I got my, my MFA and his name was Ed Mayer. And um, I took an elective under him, um, a sculpture elective, and they weren't, I think they weren't supposed to, but he gave me like a little studio in the sculpture annex. And um, that ended up being quite controversial later on that he, like the teacher got mad. But um, I think that that kind of started, and I had some really good sculpture electives in my undergrad as well. And I always enjoyed them. Um, I wasn't like, I wouldn't say I was good when I left graduate school sculpting, but it, de it definitely planted a seed. And then many years later, when I went back um, to get my teaching certification through Pratt, um, there was the, the first semester I was there, it's just kind of a roundabout story, but um, the first semester I was there, um, they said, you're going to actually start in South Africa and you're going to be teaching in South Africa. And I said, and I was terrified because I was like, well, I've never taught anybody anything. And now, yeah, I was just really scared. 
Um, but one of the things that happened in South Africa was that they insisted that we be teaching artists so that we be learning art while we're learning to teach art. Mm. And so the teacher that I had was Theodora Skipitares and she taught puppetry. She's amazing. Um, and she, I, just through her, I realized that I really am more alive and more exciting when I'm working in 3D than when I'm working in 2D. And so that really changed everything for me. Um, and I think it had a lot to do with how she was teaching me and how she was supporting me and sort of nurturing that sculptor inside of me that really made me finally realize that. And I mean, can I just say that's really interesting because, yeah. oh, gosh, man. Pratt, the Pratt Ed program, art ed program, I can't say enough nice things. It's art and design education. I can't say enough nice things about it, but I'm sorry. Yeah. Because I think one of the first times I went to, I came to Louisiana to see you, you were doing a, um, an illuminated parade. Yeah, we still, and well, yeah, we do. All <laughs> the different kind of, the, like the puppetry kind of stuff that you created for that was incredible. Yeah, and that doesn't was, happen without Theodora. amazing. Yeah, that doesn't happen without Theodora at all. So, um yeah. So, yeah, because she introduced me to giant puppetry and, uh, you know, the bread and puppet theater, bread and yeah, bread and puppet theater and in New York and all these things that I had no idea. And she did. Um, so her productions that she does at La Mama Theater um, in New York, these experimental productions, they're like she has tiny shadow puppets and then she'll have these big giant puppets Um so it really sort of excited my imagination. And then there's another artist that came into play while I was at the museum, um, Chantel Ritter, who um, who does these illuminated processions. Um, she does them, I think, in different places, but they initially started for her on the Atlanta Beltline um, to raise awareness and money for that, uh, that area of Atlanta. Mm. So um, she, I think what inspired me was that she started with, I think she started with maybe like a hundred people. And now there's like 60,000 people that show up for these processions. Um, so just those two things combined when I started working at the museum and really this community became so important to me, um, seeing Chantel um, energize a community like that and do this beautiful thing for them really got me excited. And I was like, well, I think I can do that. And so I learned a lot from Chantel, not personally, like I don't know her, but just thank God for the internet because I, you know, she's, and she was great about sharing information too. I, I did reach out to her. So, um, so those two, those two artists really, I think have a lot to do with what I'm doing right now. Okay. But okay, because you kind of go from South Africa and then you're just like, oh, yeah. So, you know, I was just like, oh, yeah, I think I can do that, which is crazy. Right. Well, it's so been gone... a few years to get yes, to that. It's, it's a few years, but you go from South Africa, yeah. right, where you suddenly, the, the, the kernel of this idea kind of really takes root. Yeah. Right. So you see all of that. And then eventually the, the journey continues and takes you to the muse in Alexandria. 
right? Yeah. Five. So that's our teen club. Um, so yeah, then I, so because I had this teaching certification from Pratt, um, and that gets me into the Alexandria Museum of Art because mm. I moved down here. Um, I'd been in New York City. I taught for a year at a charter school there. And then I um, just teaching art slash social studies, which is a whole other thing. But um, because I had that, um, because I think because honestly, I had Pratt on my resume. I had that um, as part of the Pratt program, I did teach uh, for a semester in museums and galleries. And I learned from all the museum educators in Manhattan, basically. Yeah. Um, that was a great program or it was really a class, but it was a whole semester. And um, I shared with them that I had done that. And because I had learned I, also at Pratt, I'd learned visual thinking strategies, um, which is its, its own company and program. And so those two things, those things actually were as being part of that interview process. And on my resume, my boss was like, yeah, I need that. We need those things here. So come work with us. Mm. And like, yeah, so they, that's how they, that need those, they need those things there. But practically, right, practically, what had you done in the real world? Right. What was your big experience of implementing some of these things? Well, honestly, honestly, not not a lot. Like I hadn't really done, um, you know, I, I'd always made art, but, um, and I, you know, I had studied, but um, I have to credit our director for, for taking a chance on me, seeing those things in the resume and then just saying, okay, yeah, like come teach for us. And um, I, I don't think either one of us you know, there wasn't anything that said, oh, you're going to make illuminated processions or you're going to, uh, the, you know, we knew I would do, we'd have a visual thinking strategies program at the museum. We knew that. And we knew that I would get more training over the years. We knew that um, I would be teaching family classes. Um, and initially, that's really all I was brought on to do. And she my director was in a place where she was trying to grow the museum and make us um, valuable to the community. And so when I would find a place that I felt like um, there was a need, like the teen program, I'd say like, well, what if we started, or, I, you know, the great thing is I would go to these um, NAEA, National Art Educator Association um, conferences, and you'd learn so much from, I mean, I had notebooks full of notes from there. And They'd have, they would talk about a lot of museums were doing these teen programs, these free teen programs where teens could have a voice and decide, you know, what they wanted to do. And I was like, well, I think we need to do that. Like I was substitute teaching in schools um, because at the time I was only part time at the museum. So I was substitute teaching um, at this high school very often. And the kids were like, hey, you know, what if we had, it was really like, I think it came from the kids. They were like, what if we had a club? What if we made art at the museum? You know, and I was like, yeah, like, let's see if I can make that happen. You know, it all kind of came together. Um, those things all sort of came together. And so I think the teen club started maybe a, a year after I started at the museum. I had a program for um, people with Alzheimer's that I basically uh, copied from 
MoMA in New York, they were actually um, trying to spread the program. So, mm -hmm. so I had them come and teach me how to do that. They had a grant to come to go to museums and teach people how to do that. So they came and taught me and I did that for, you know, we did do that one for a little while. Um, it's been kind of hard to keep that one going, but, um, and then, you know, the expressive therapy program was, um, that happened because of the meet me program we had with, for the, for people dealing with Alzheimer's, the VA was our regular group and they would bring um, veterans who were dealing with dementia and Alzheimer's and they would come and we'd do these tours and art making um, activities with them. And then, the, so the VA knew of me at that point and they knew the museum. And so they said, Hey, we have a program. We'd like to do something um, with our PTSD patients. Could, do you think you'd be willing to do art therapy? I said, well, I'm not an art therapist. <laughs> I'm not an art therapist. Um, but I'd be happy to make art with them. And they said, well, we'll, we'll make sure that you have a social worker or a psychologist with you. And that worked out really, really well. And, um, Okay. Okay. Hold, hold, hold on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead. Hold, hold on. Right. Because you are irritating the hell out of me right now. People, what you need to understand, Cindy is one of the most humble motherfucking people I know. Right. I will tell you this. When I came to goddamn Louisiana, Right. <laughs> That's now, how we refer to it too. Now, we, we, we talk about like people often talk about how they want to make an impact on the world, right? And oh yeah, no, I really want people to know what I do and you know, people be influenced by the stuff I do, right? I came to Louisiana and whoever I met, whoever I met, they couldn't speak highly enough of this goddamn woman. Right. Really Just everyone. The kids. Right. I spoke to kids and, and, and people, they, you know, not in a creepy way. I just went and told the kids <laughs> and they would they would just talk about I was like, oh, man, that's incredible. What are you doing? They'd be like, oh, yeah, no, Cindy, she told us how to do this. No, well, they'd be like, Miss Cindy. And it was so cute. Like, Miss Cindy, <laughs> And she told us how to do this. And we're doing this. And she's encouraging me to do this stuff. Like you talk to local businesses. There was a um oh, tamp and grind. Is that yeah, oh tamp. Mm -hmm. tamp and grind, man. The Talk people in there love her. You had artwork on the lampposts and every the, like the town. Everywhere <laughs> you go, they were talking about. I spoke to some vets. They just love this woman. This woman has impacted her local community so much. And I'm not just saying that because I know and love this woman. You know what I mean? Because if I could take the piss out of her, I would do that right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But everything is just so for real. The, just the work that you have done in your community and the way everyone, just throughout the procession, Right. There was not because usually with certain things, people you bump into those cranky people and be like, huh, she thinks she's so good. Huh, I'm sure there are people who say shit. that. <laughs> there was people, no one said anything. No one was saying anything bad. Everyone was just like, the way she is, 
like this is I think it was the second year, second or third year I I came to this thing, and just the way people are just like the way this has impacted this community, the way it has brought everyone together, is incredible. So, yo, you need to take a goddamn motherfucking bow because what you have done is insane. And every year it seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So, you know what I mean? Like the work you do with the vets, the kids, like just the local community as a whole, hey, it is definitely noticed. Yeah, I love this community. And it's, um, you know, for so long I was in New York and I was, um, I really wasn't able to do anything like this because, you know, I had a day job that, I mean, I worked at a hedge fund, which is lovely. I mean, they were great to me. They did, they were really kind to me. And, um, and so that's good. But, um, you know, they, people talk about doing volunteer work. Well, I was a single mom working a lot and, um, you know, in New York, more than anything, your commute, your commute kills you. So I wasn't making art. I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything. And I really didn't feel like what I did until I, until I worked at the charter school. Um, that was, oh, I enjoyed working with the kids. <laughs> like I love yeah. working with the kids. Um, but, I, I, we um, should say, right. I'm before, not before Black Panther was the multi-million billion dollar movie, right? Before everyone is going, we're kind of forever right. and trying to pretend that it was their favorite goddamn character. Young Cindy made her son a Black Panther costume for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know I I guess I, I guess I made his life better, hopefully. <laughs> but um, but there was little things like that that yeah. seemed to help. Yeah, energize because even then, when I was talking with you, like like you know, you're in certain jobs and relationships that weren't working. You still were you. There was always still that energy about you when you were talking about your art and the yeah. stuff you were doing and taking those opportunities. Like, you know, the, the work at Marvel and stuff like that. It's just, you you seem to take these opportunities, right? And even when, you know, there's been tough difficulties, barriers, you haven't let it stop you and you just persevere, you push forward and you you take things to that next level, right? So what what is the stuff that keeps you going? I mean, I don't know. Like, I just try to, um, I try to find joy where I can, you know? Um, and yeah, I think even in, I mean, I've had some pretty dark times, you know that. Um, but I just kind of, I I used to do this thing and I, I told, I talked to my son about this, um, not too long ago, probably a year ago or so, but I used to do this thing where, um, if I was going through a rough time, I would, and this was when I was really young, really young, like probably before I was a teenager, I'd have my heart hurt about something, you know, and I would think, well, I'm going to be excited today because I get to wear that shirt that I like. And even at the tender age of 10, I knew that that was stupid. I knew that, you know, a shirt, isn't something to be excited about. But um, I decided 
that I was going to be excited about wearing that shirt, that that was going to be a reason to kind of move forward. And so I think that that's what I do. I think I started practicing that at a really young age. And so like just, and it's not easy sometimes, like, but that's, I think that's what I do. And, um, and making things, being able to make things and teach other people how to make things um, has really helped me in times when, you know, um, and definitely now being part of a community, the, the community that I'm part of, um, there's such a beautiful arts community here. And so just that creativity and um, being able to access it or just find a little bit of joy in something banal or foolish, you know, um, I think it, it helps me a lot. It helps me a lot. And, you know, you can find joy in big things too, obviously, but just finding and those little things like I'm going to get to wear those stupid earrings today or I'm going to get to, you know, I'm going to get to work with the veterans today, you know, mm. um, you know, just keeps, it keeps me going. Not, I mean, things are great now. There's nothing, everything's really good, but even during COVID when, um, which is really when I started really, I had gotten very disciplined in my, in my art making the year two prior to that. No, really probably three years prior to that, I had started really trying to have a routine in the studio. And for about six months after lockdown, I was completely and totally, I didn't make art. I didn't make art. I was doodling. I tried to make sure I was doodling and that kind of helped keep my, my anxiety at bay, but it was, um, I was learning a whole bunch of new skills at work. And so, and I was working from home, um, which I was blessed to be able to do. Um, but I, um, but I didn't really sculpt for six months. And then once I started sculpting in lockdown, it, I was just, I, I couldn't stay out of the studio. <laughs> it's been, it's been much, um, yeah, I just, I found a new medium and I just kind of hit my stride, I think as far as like the routine and the, um, and the rhythm of it. Yeah. So do you think like the importance of having a space to create has been something that has really helped your development? It has, it has. I mean, I think I would have done it. I think I would have done it anyway. Um, but you know, given that now, um, I have a room in the house where I can, you know, I can, I have a lot of friends who have studios um, outside their house and that's important for them. Mm. And I think that at some point it would be nice to have a separate space outside of the house, but I know that I'm always going to need something at the house as well, because um, I am not a morning person. <laughs> and sometimes getting dressed is, I don't want to have any barriers to making art. So whatever the barrier is, um, let's get rid of that. So like, if I wake up, um, I want to just like on a Saturday, you know, you get up, you drink your coffee, you eat breakfast, you kind of wake up slowly. And then it's like, if, if I said, well, I've got to put on clothes and everything and then get in a car and get out of the house, that would be a barrier. So yeah. if I can just walk right in, right into this room, teeth unbrushed, hair undone, just in my yoga pant pajamas and just, 
go right into working, then that is, that's um, important for me. And that's, yeah, that's how I get anything done. (laughs) (laughs) And what has been the thing that has kept you innovating, right? Because I think the the fact, like, so you moved to the muse, which is, there was a point where, like, you always wanted to do art, right? You always wanted to be creative. But I don't think you could even have envisioned yourself working in some place like the muse. So once you get there, right, that's a huge thing. You're working in this muse. You're, you're you know, directing how they communicate with their community for a lot of people that's it that's enough you've reached the the mountain top but then you start to implement different things like the vets like mm-hmm. the the children's program like the community work like the mural you know I mean? like that the huge bdr mural and then i remember oh. when it got it either got defaced or taken down. I was like, oh, what are you going to do? You're like, oh, we're going to do another one. Yeah, we put something out. Was just, that mural was just something that I, that I did with my friends. You. Like, I just wanted to, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just always got to, I got to keep my hands busy, you know? Like, it's not, um, and the museum for me is separate from, it's not separate, but it is, you know? Um, and I have to, I work really hard to make sure I have a balance between uh, what I'm doing at home in my studio and what I'm doing at the museum. Um, used to not be separate. I used to burn myself real hard at the museum. Um, and there's so, like, we're small staff. I think what a lot of people don't understand about particularly small museums um, like ours, you know, um, if you look at your cultural institutions, I don't know how it is in um, in England, but m- most of them here are nonprofits, yeah. which really is just code for like we survive on grants and memberships and <laughs> and the employees don't get paid loads. I mean, um, I think it's probably even sort of gauche to have that conversation, but I'm sorry. I think it's important and it needs to be happening because there are a lot of people working very hard for for not a lot of money. And a lot of grantors don't want the funds to go towards salaries. And the consequences of that are that you have people working for sometimes below poverty level. Now, I'm not in that place, but um, so I, but I love the work so much that sometimes in the past I have given given to the point where like, um, you know, we have these big fundraisers and a lot of times a procession will be before that fundraiser you know we mm. have a dragon boat races and the procession is the day before and i am working on both of the things mostly per- the procession but like afterwards i will be sick you know and i have co-workers that will be sick people are working themselves to illness and um it's very hard to be creative when you're ill <laughs> um so I try really hard now to have a balance. Um, yeah. Yeah, I do. I try really hard to make sure that um, that I'm making time for my personal art and that I'm, I'm also 
uh, giving everything I can at the museum in balance with that, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no. I, and I think I've seen that, right? Yeah. Because you've started to do, like just all the things you've started to do at the museum, but at the same time, your sculpture work is just going from strength to strength, you know, and you start to do these other things like the the earrings and now the miniature sculptures, right? And you're always looking for these new techniques to try and, you know, see if you can incorporate yeah. in your work, which is fascinating because even though you're saying you you're trying you've been paring it down trying to make sure that you don't do too much it still right. looks like there is because you know you do the um uh, the thoughtful fridays and the behind the scenes the the vault tours which i always love to see you know and be like yeah. you take a piece of art and you talk about that art the interviews with all the different creatives in your community it's a lot all that, all the video works. And that's, so that's what I was talking about when I was saying that during, um, during the lockdown here, I, um, I had to learn new skills at work because we had, we had to take all of our educational program and put it on programming and put it online. So that meant that I had to learn how to edit video and how to do sound and, um, and how to, you know, and, and I had to think up ideas that would resonate with people. I had to figure out what people wanted in my community and, you know, and then we could reach a broader audience. And so that hasn't really stopped. Um, it's changed a little bit since the world opened back up, but, um, but that, but yeah, so, so yeah, the vault, vault peaks and things like that is a, um, is sort of an offshoot of that. Um, all the little mini videos and all the, I mean, I wouldn't be on TikTok right now <laughs> if it weren't for, um, if it weren't for that. And, um, and it's cool. I mean, I'm, it's, I, it's exciting to learn new things. I think that's part of, um, you know, you're asking about how you get through hard times. And I think the excitement of learning new things is something that's important to me. And it's how I, um, it has become, I don't think it always was, but once I started learning how to teach, I think it really, um, it really got, it, it sort of recharged my lifelong learning batteries. You know, um, I get really excited about materials. I get really excited about trying new stuff. Um, I've done several workshops with my teens lately because so the programming that I do with the teens, I allow them to get together once a year and brainstorm ideas. So the programming I do for them isn't, it doesn't come from me or the museum. It comes from them. Mm -hmm. They say, oh, I want to learn how to, I want to learn how to cast resin or I want to learn how to, um, I, I want to, we want to do a Victorian murder mystery party play. And so I say, okay. Like, and then I, I pull from the community and I'm like, who can help me teach these kids how to, how to write a murder mystery play. And, um, we luckily have a great, uh, actor in the community, Dan Forrest, who was more than happy to teach the kids how to do that. 
And, um, and then I, but then I have to, sometimes it's like, okay, well, I can't afford to hire somebody to teach them resin art. So I'm a sculptor. I'll figure that out, you know? And, um, and I go and I learn how to cast resin and I, or I learn how to do whatever weird art thing they want to do. <laughs> just like, it's just about like learning a new skill or learning to work with a new material. It's exciting, you know? And, um, man, it helps me too. So I think that's part of it is always being excited to learn a new thing. So video was very exciting. I don't, I, by any I've not by any stretch of the imagination have learned, <laughs> learned video, but, um, but it's fun. It's fun to play with. Mm, well, well, the stuff that you've been putting out for the museum, I, it's great. You know, it's, it's you. really enjoyable. You know, and then you do the story time ones and just all the different things. It's just always fascinating. Yeah, thanks. And it, it, it's like, so you learn these different techniques, right? Now, when you're learning a new technique, like the resin casting and stuff like that, do you think, do you always think to yourself, how can I incorporate this into sculpture work? Or do, is it just a, a matter of sometimes you're learning some new thing and you're, and then suddenly you see a possibility to bring it into your personal work? Um, so yeah, sometimes like with, it, it happens a lot actually. Um, like with the, um, with the resin, I did try to, I did a little, I did some experimentation with resin in my work. And um, I don't think you're going to be seeing that because resin is stinky. Oh, it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's terrifying stuff, quite frankly. It's, it is terrifying to work with. Um, and I just, and it's expensive and really messy, like really messy in a kind of like dangerous way. Um, you don't want to get it on your skin. You don't want to breathe it too much. And ugh, I don't know, you know? Um, so, but, but that said, I am glad that I had the experience, you know, now I do know how to do that. And if I ever have a piece that calls for that, I'll, I'll buy some resin and figure it out, you know? Um, yeah. So it's, it's fun. And, um, well, I think that the fact that I make light sculptures really came from the processions. Like I wouldn't be making illuminated art right now if it weren't for Chantel Ritter and learning about those processions and starting to do those at work. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have even thought of it, honestly. So, so it does go back and forth quite a bit. And um, yeah, I, I love, I love experimenting with materials. It's, it's fun. Well, I think, Looking at your light sculptures, the, the way that has developed has been so fascinating, right? And just seeing the different shapes, you know, sizes, way you, you know, work with these materials, right? So what happens, right, when you're starting to do a sculpture? Do you think to yourself, right, I need to make a sculpture or do you wait until the idea comes to you? And when you're working with these ideas, right? So what's the process? Because do you just sit there and do it? Or are you sketching? Like, how do you formulize these things? Well, I find, I, 
and I believe this to be true, that um, the more you work, the more the ideas come. And that, so sometimes I, I will get an idea for a piece as I'm working on one piece, like, a, like it will be sort of a progression and I'll be like, oh, but next time I could do this or, you know, and um, so I do find that once you prime that pump, it, you know, and sometimes I do need to sketch. Sometimes I'll sketch something out or um, sometimes I'll have an idea for a shape, but I need to monkey around with it a little bit on paper first. And then it doesn't really like the sketches are just for that. They're just to monkey mm -hmm. around because it's never going to, the sculptures don't end up, they're very organic the way they happen. So they, it, it's never like I sketch something and I make something that looks exactly like that sketch. It just doesn't work that way. Um, it's just part of the process um, because the material that I use is very fluid and it uh, it's very plastic as far as how it moves. And so um, these surprising, wonderful things happen while you're working with it. And um, yeah, so I will get ideas sometimes looking at something in nature but more lately, it's just be, become that I get interested in a shape and I want to work with that shape or I get interested in a color and I want to work with that color um, or some idea of movement. Like I'm trying to I've been obsessed with spirals a lot lately, like I need to mm -hmm. make spirals happen. So it's stuff like that. It's become more um, formal in that way. Like it's less about like oh, I'm trying to because it used to be, oh, I'm trying to capture um, a th thing about this living creature, like nudibranches. I was obsessed with them for a little while, but it really has become, instead of making something that looks like something else, I'm making something that's an exploration of like, um, a movement, like an exploration of what happens when something spirals or, um, what happens in a form when you can, um, have these lines follow, the shape, if that makes sense. So it creates, mm. it's different ways of creating your movement. So um, I don't know if that answers the question, but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Like, that's how it happens. And it's just, um, I, when people tell me, oh, I, I have a hard time coming up with ideas. I'm like, well, you need to get your hands moving because that honestly, you get your hands moving, your mind follows. Um, mm. What is that? that saying like your uh your muse finds you working or inspiration finds you working and that's true like that is absolutely true if you if you feel uninspired get your hands moving start doodling um get your hands in some clay and just start mushing it around and just follow what's interesting in that um but you got to get your hands busy you can't sit around and try to think up some inspiration it just it doesn't work that way now if you're somebody who is constantly engaged, then sometimes, yeah, things will hit you. You will get an idea. But I think more often than not, you, you've got to be moving. Hmm. I'm fascinated with the where you said sometimes I get interested in a color. Like, mm -hmm. how the hell I'm thinking of, oh, turquoise is nice. Suddenly I have a freaking skirt. Like, how does that work? I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes things just get me charged up. Like I get really excited about um, a particular red or um, 
And that honestly, that is a that is an example of an inspiration hitting you while you're moving because mm. I, I've gotten really into this quinacridone red, um, which is this really bright, punchy pink red, and um, and then a quinacridone magenta. Like I just those colors are luscious, and I've been working with them, and because I've been working with them, I get more excited about them, um, and I get sometimes too excited <laughs> and then I, bad things happen and I have to back off a little bit or, or just getting excited about like, there's um really like um, just giving delicate touches of color just to enhance the movement of a sculpture. Mm. Like seeing that happen is really nice. And there's an, um, there's ultramarine, there's a ultramarine blue. And when it's kind of sprayed on lightly, I airbrush everything it um it's almost like a delicate it's almost not a color it's almost like a delicate smoky thing i don't know i just get really excited see it's ridiculous <laughs> i can't tell you how i get excited it's just how i'm <laughs> wired some people are not wired for color you know some people don't get excited about color i get excited about color i get excited about movement and then how, what color can do for the movement Right now, that's where I am. Yeah. Well, I think it's weird. Your your stuff, you look at your stuff and you, you know, sometimes you, because you, you show the process a lot of the times mm -hmm. through your social media um, and you can see something before you've colored it and you can look at it and think, huh, yeah, that's interesting. And then the, as soon as the color hits, it's like it's something new, right? Yeah. It's like it's something new and like, yeah, of course it should be that color, right? Right. <laughs> it doesn't seem like there's a separation in the art and the color. It's like it's a natural fit, right? So I remember sometimes I've seen some of your work. I Yes, I remember it was, um, was David Cameron, David Cameron, James Cameron. David Cameron was a crooked politician from here. <laughs> Crooked, I mean, that's how I feel. Subjectively, might not be crooked, but hey, he's a politician. Who isn't? Right. But anyway, um, yeah, James Cameron, he was prepping um the new Avatar films. Mm -hmm. I remember he built a submarine to go down the Bering Trench. And I remember just looking at your work and thinking. Yo, have you seen some of Cameron's photographs or something? Because you just think, yo, there's no like we have never even been to the bottom of the of the trench right. yet, right? But some of your work, you just think that could be at the bottom of that motherfucking trench. Well, that's right. Like, it, it just yeah. looks like oh, life was really crazy. a huge inspiration for me for a very long time. Um, probably like a year or so, I was playing with or maybe two years I was playing with sea life, you know? Um, and I think what ha what happened was like, what I brought from that was the movement, right? So that was the thing. I think what happens sometimes when artists become more abstract is that what happens is, is that you sort of begin to distill what excites you about what you're making. And it becomes less about that story and less about, um, making a thing that already exists or a thing that might already exist and then making something that is really about pu the purity of whatever it is, you know, um, for some artists, it's, 
something other than, you know, but for me, it's movement. For me, it's movement mm. color and um, movements being, I think now that I'm talking about it out loud, the most important thing. And then color just really working in service of the movement. And I've tried really hard lately to, if something doesn't need a lot of color, I don't add a lot of color. In fact, I had a piece happen recently that um, didn't need any color at all. And I, I just stepped back and I said, okay, nope, I'm not, I'm not going to paint it. Um, that, that I, I predict that that will be rare, but I don't know what, you know, you don't, you have to be open. You have to be open to things changing mm. as an artist. Um, you have to be open to doing something different. Well, it definitely looks like you're open to that. Because it, what I find interesting is the fact you're make you are making these big sculptures and then out of nowhere come these earrings and so from a place <laughs> where you're making these big pieces yeah now you're making these tiny ass things but well that's still you know this delicacy <laughs> and this look of you know of, of the big sculpture you've taken that work that fluidity that motion and you've kind of encapsulated it into these small frigging things you can put on your ears. Like, <laughs> how, how would you do that? Um, well, that was just one of those things that kind of happened. Um, I had a spare afternoon um, and it wasn't enough time to really get into like a sculpture but it was enough time to mess around. I wanted some earrings and I, you know, I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just make some. I had, I had scraps too. And the other, the other thing is that, um, you know, I don't want to be wasteful with this material. Um, I want to have as much of it be useful as possible. So when you, sometimes you have little scraps. Um, so I said, well, I'll just, I'll just make some earrings. And then, you know, I've really tried to be more of a business person lately, um, as well as an artist. But um, I think that so that was a way for me to really sort of bring some money in to support the bigger pieces. Um, I think, yeah, I think, unfortunately, in our culture, we want artists to be so pure but we do live in a capitalist society, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it. But bottom line is people have to eat <laughs> and um, and polymer clay isn't free and, you know, uh, electrical parts are not free. So. Um, so, yeah, I've really been working on the business side for the past year, um, really trying to be very serious about that. And. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's starting to come together, you know, gradually. But so but the earrings are part of that. Earrings are part of it making it a business. So that I so they have the art and and that part is well, even the earrings are still kind of pure because I'm really I'm not making something that I don't want to make. Like I'm not making you know, they're all one of a kind. So I feel pretty good about that. I feel good about that. So yeah. So that's that's what the earrings um, are. And that's my little uh, lecture about how artists, if we should make it OK for artists to be business people, for them to sell their work for what it's worth. So you, you can, <laughs> so people could buy those earrings from you. They could. Well, not this pair. Um, 
but but if I am going to be I am going to have um, ones like this on my website very soon. Monday, hopefully. Uh, and that's Cindy Blair artwork. Uh, Cindy Blair light dot com. <laughs> I mean, that does seem very nice. It seems like the right time, right? Because we got Christmas coming up. Yeah. Kind of. Like, I know it's just getting to October, but whew, time does Well, last fly. year, I, I sold earrings from October through the end of February, I think. And um, so, so, yeah, that's that's how long it stretched out. And I'm thinking I'm going to do, I think, I think that's a good, cause I can't make earrings year round. It's just too, yeah. um, it's too much. It's too much. But um, <laughs> I made Christmas ornaments last year. I'll probably do that again this year as well. And I'm going to be making pendants this year. Oh, mm -hmm. so necklaces. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And can people, because as you said, like the, you don't make molds of these things. Once a design is gone, a design is gone. Yeah. You might have others that are similar um, because I get, again, I get excited about a shape and I'm like, wow, I really want to, um, I want to, I want to perfect that shape and, or I want that shape in that other color. So you might have similar shapes, but they're also organic that, um, that, yeah, you can say that yours is a one of a kind if you have them. Okay. And if someone liked the work that you did, say, and uh, there was a pair and they've sold, mm -hmm. could they, I don't know, maybe commission something similar from you or, or ask for similar. a particular color? Yes. Yeah. Sure, sure. Ah, and how, how does someone do that? They, well, they could get in touch with me through the website. Um, there is a place where you can message me on the website or you could always um you can always get me i'm on instagram cindy blair light arts and i'm on facebook cindy blair light art you can always message me through there and i'm on tiktok i'm on tiktok as well <laughs> cindy blair light art so everything is cindy blair light art oh cool yeah because i i've seen a, so many people just gush over the the earrings and the colors that that you use yeah it really seems to have you know captured an interest social media has been very important um and it has gotten a lot of eyes on my work that i don't think would have been on it otherwise so that's pretty exciting um and yeah so i'm kind of kind of grateful that 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 social media happened <laughs> <laughs> um, because it does, I think it's really good for artists. It gives us an opportunity to get our work out there and to have people see it. And, you know, even if I didn't have the website, I mean, I've sold a lot of things just straight from Instagram, you know, I've sold a lot of things, um, just because people see it on Instagram and they immediately contact me sometimes before I even have paints on a sculpture, I'll get a, I'll get a message going, Hey, <laughs> I would like to have that. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to be painting it purple. Okay, that's great. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, that's incredible. Or actually, I have, I did have someone reach out to me one time. Actually, this has happened a couple of times where I've had somebody reach out. I really love that sculpture. Um, I don't know if you saw the two. I did two that were like these twin uh, crystal candlesticks that I did sculpture on top of. Mm. 
And I had gotten one of them sculpted and somebody reached out to me and she goes, I want, I want those. I want them. I said, yeah, cause it's going to be two, you know, it's going to, they're going to be a pair. And she was like, I want them. And um, I said, okay, well, I haven't painted them yet. What, what colors would you like for me to use? And she sent me some pictures of um, this beautiful sea glass green that she wanted. And so that's what I did. So I'm, I'm pretty open to working with people. Hmm. And do you, because I know a lot of artists, they have like a, an artist mark. Do you have a mark that you put on your work so people know it's a, a Cindy Cooper Blair original? I don't. Um, I don't, um, I don't sign the work in any way. I think, that, I think that it's pretty, um, I think all my work has a kind of a look about it, but um, mm. what I do is I actually have a, um, a specifically formatted um, sort of sheet that comes. So like if you were to buy a sculpture from me, I would send you this, um, I think I call it a care sheet or something like that, but it's got a picture of the artwork on it and it is formatted in a specific way. So that that is, it does give you sort of like, if you can hang on to that, it gives you the provenance of the piece so that it came directly from me. Um, yeah, like um, so. when you grade a comic book. Yeah. So it's got that, like, so you'll have, so anybody who's gotten a piece from me with a couple of, well, there's been some exceptions because I only started doing that Oh, probably two or three years ago. Yeah. So most people have gotten one of those sheets. And if you're watching and I didn't give you a sheet, please let me know. But <laughs> I think a few have fallen through the cracks, but a lot of people have those sheets. You know, and, and also everything I make goes on social media. So like if somebody else were to pop up with it, it would be like. Although I should probably mark my work. I just I haven't. I mean, you know, when I was. Well, when I was in graduate school, they really sort of were like, don't sign your work. That was mm. a thing. Don't sign your work. But I guess okay. I could sign it where no one could see it. I should probably be doing that. So <laughs> maybe <laughs> I will. Unique. I haven't seen other people do anything that looks similar. Like they, I've not seen something where I go, oh, is that Cindy's? And then be like, oh, no. Uh, Kennedy Smith, who's he? You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, it's name, never been though. that. <laughs> I wish that was my name. <laughs> Kennedy Smith, that's fabulous. <laughs> now, I, I wonder, like, because I know I've kept you a while, because um, I am fascinated about the, the smaller sculptures and the, the bases. Do you have time to talk on that? Yeah. So, um, so the ones that I've been doing since, how long ago did that start? Maybe, I don't know how long I've been doing them. Definitely. It was a thing that happened, I think started during 2020 where I started working with, um, like old lamp bases or old light fixtures, you know, vintage light fixtures and things like that. Um, I kind of feel it might have been around this time last year, maybe. Yeah, I don't think it's been that long. Um, and I just started, um, gosh, I don't even remember how I got the idea to do that. I don't remember. 
but I just, um, I have a feeling something fell in my lap, like a piece fell in my lap and I was like, Ooh, let me try that. I think you, uh, if I remember I have to look right, back at my Instagram feed to be honest with you. I, I think you might have either gone to an art fair or something. Yeah. Looking for one thing and you stumbled upon. A there was bank. an antique shop that was going out of business. I mm. know that that's where I got. And I don't know why we went there. If we went there for that specific reason, I don't know, but I don't remember. But I don't think I think it would happen before then. But anyway, like I just started having um, really started wanting to make pieces that responded to something else. So I would find these wonderful um, like pieces of depression glass, like these little lamp bases and things that are just this white, milky, reflective glass. And I thought that would look so cool with the light. And then sometimes I'll find shapes that I really like that, um, and I and the work responds to that in some way. Um, and then, so I have, so I've been doing that for a while, and um, and I've done some hanging lamps. That may be where it started. It might have started with the hanging lamps, but then most recently, um, so there's a another art center in town. Um, called River Oaks Art Center, and it's an artist co-op, and um, they do a lot of good work in the community as well. And um, they have every year they do a five by five by five competition. And so I, I've been trying to enter as many jury competitions as possible. That's just part of, um, you know, building an art career. And um, this five by five, nothing can be over five inches in any direction. So most of my works lately have been around um, between 11 and 20 inches. So these, these are much smaller. And mm. because they're so small, I'm working with these. Um, I'm not working with fixtures in the same way. Um, I wanted to, so, so you can give as much real estate to the actual sculpture because you've only got five inches to say what you yeah. got to say. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I found uh, there's these, there were these really nice little porcelain fixtures, fixtures or sockets that actually sit really nicely and they're sturdy enough to just sit. And then I can put something on top of, I can put the sculpture on top. So I've been, so the past three or four weeks, I've been three weeks, I've been sculpt, um, experimenting with that. And um, I did, I just finished another one right before I hopped on the call with you. I'm very excited about it because it feels a little different than the others. And then I did find, I was messing around. I don't know if anything will happen with these, but I did find on Etsy, these little, what are they called? They're called ceiling roses. Okay. So it's just a tiny little thing. And um, these are apparently antique. They're in really good shape honestly for antiques but um maybe i'll do something with those i don't know um th they just arrived today and um they're i when i ordered them i didn't realize they were coming from france so they were inexpensive but then the shipping i just didn't realize the shipping was yeah. be, so um so that has <laughs> happened to me more than one time you have to be careful on etsy they don't it's not always obvious that something's coming from italy or france or something <laughs> <laughs> but um but anyway um 
the 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 salesperson is a brown paper parcel i think is what she's called and she has a really lovely shop so you should go check her out so that something might happen with that and um just before i hopped on with you i posted a picture of the the one that i sculpted today i would try to pick it up and show it to you but i don't know i don't know if it would show well on the video so do you want me to try i could try yeah why not Let, let's give it a go oh yeah i don't know if it's gonna work because See, you can't see because the light. I'm gonna send you some pictures. I'm gonna send you some pictures. You can put okay. it up. But it's very. It's. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it because it's almost like a new. Um, it's a new kind of look almost. It's a new kind of look. So, so that's pretty exciting. Lots of stuff to keep me excited. Oh, oh, and not. I mean, not that any. You can cut this. Not that anybody will care about this, but. Um, I have been, I had been using um, airbrushed um, acrylic paint. Hold on. I'm sorry. I got to go let me out. Okay. <laughs> no I'm sorry. Give me one second. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this is Cindy's studio. Sorry, back. Look, I mean, Mia is... Mia comes first. Um, okay, no, so I have been, instead of, uh, with these miniature pieces, it gave me a chance to experiment with using chalk pastels and sort of grinding them into a powder and then brushing it onto the clay or mixing it into to the clay in a way that, so that then that's the color and I don't have to paint it afterwards. So brushing it on dry or do you mix it into a wet? No, you brush it on dry. So, okay, well, there's two different ways. One of the ways was just to brush it on dry and just make sure that it gets into the clay so that it won't scratch off after mm -hmm. it's baked. Um, the other way was you mix it in in a way um, so that it almost looks like an um, like marble. Okay. So it sort of threads through the clay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've been playing with both of those things. So that's pretty exciting. Mm. So. And is this a technique you can adapt to the larger sculptures or does it only work with the small things? I don't know. I think I might be able to do a little bit on a larger sculpture. I think. I'm going to, I am going to try to scale it up a little bit and see what happens. We'll see. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Stay tuned. I don't know. Um, I think the way I did it today, maybe it's, it would take, I need to buy some more pastels. I think it's, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. I think, well, I guess it didn't really take that much. We'll see. I think okay. I can is the answer. <laughs> I think I can. <laughs> I mean, like the little engine. I think. How, I how long does a sculpture actually take? Because that's one thing I don't think we've actually talked about. Yeah. So, um, so I used to, the process that I used before I started working with the polymer clay would take, I mean, 40, 50 hours, uh, like a solid, if I, if it was my full-time job, I would finish one in a week. Um, so those took a long time to do. And that was, um, I would sculpt a clay base, like a, like a regular clay, like a water-based clay base. And then I would, um, wrap all of that in like, uh, plastic wrap 
And then I would do like a rice paper, paper mache over that. And then I would paint it. And then it would, it was a whole thing. Um, this for the, like the past year I've been working or longer than a year. Um, I've been working with polymer clay, a translucent polymer clay, and that is much faster. So I can finish a sculpture in, well, as far as the sculpting of it, not including the painting, I can finish the sculpture in like two to four hours, oh. two to two to six hours, depending, you know, depends on a lot of stuff, but yeah. um, I can finish the sculpting part in a day. Right. And these miniatures are even like even a little better. Um, so the miniatures have been like two to three hours sculpting and then the whole. But then you've got to add to that the whole sort of like wiring or rewiring of a fixture, um, depending on what shape the fixture is in. Sometimes I get a fixture that hasn't seen love in a very long time <laughs> and they're crazy rusty or whatever. And so, you know, things have to be sanded and spray painted and rewired. And um, so that sometimes, you know, takes an hour to three more. And then if I have to paint a piece, then that's another afternoon. So, you know, four to 10 hours, depending on the piece. I, I think that's good math. I think. I think so. <laughs> that's, that's basically my weekend. So that's why, um, honestly, that is how I was able to turn lockdown into a good thing for me because um, Eric and I are very social creatures. <laughs> we were, we were very social creatures. Um, and we have friends that have amazing get togethers, as you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. from having been here. <laughs> and um this has really helped me center on my art more and be more disciplined. And so um, I do, I, I don't know, I'm happy. I'm happy with it this way. I still get to see my friends, maybe not as often as I did, but um, this is, this is important and it, and it feels good. So I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I definitely think you should because mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the work that you're doing is just incredible. And the evolution that we, you know, I think most people that know you has seen in your work is just mind-blowing, right? Oh. And I think it really makes me happy to see you at this stage in your life, right? After everything that's happened, Everything. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the, the conversations we used to have online, the conversations in Chicago, yeah. and, and now you're here. It is so motivational, right? Those, those moments in life where everything is kind of shit and I wonder what the fuck. I just, right. I often think of you and where you've you know what I mean? Your evolution. Right. And it just, I just think, I, I, I need to be more like Cindy. I need to be like that. So, you know what I mean? Oh, I think Kevin's I, pretty I, fabulous. <laughs> be Kevin. I'll be Cindy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Kevin ain't doing great. But I took some, I took some calculated risks and they paid off. Mm. 
But you know. I, I think the one, I think that's the thing, though, that we we can, you can see in just your growth and everything like that that you haven't been afraid to take those risks. Right. You know what oh, I'm saying? Like you, you moving took- here was one of the most power. You know, going back to school, going you know, going back to Pratt after 11 years, and then and then moving here, and you know, really when, you know, when Eric was like, you know, I want to be with you and then just saying, okay. And not knowing, like not knowing Mm. that there was an art community here. Um, It was a risk. And I, there were friends who were like, I don't even know if I can be your friend if you do this, you know? Um, But it paid off. It, it worked. He was, you know, this was the right fit for me. So, you know, I, um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that that I was given the chance. So just by, you know. <laughs> so so yeah. No, I mean it and and that I think that creating is like that too. You have to take the risk. Like I think a lot of people are afraid when they get an idea or something um their own practice starts leading them down a path they get afraid. They're like, well, that's not what I do. Mm. I'm a painter. I was trained as a painter. I paint and you have to be, um, you, you can't be afraid when, when that's not working anymore. And, um, and your heart or your soul or your creativity or whatever is leading you elsewhere. I think you have to, sometimes you have to listen. You have to take a chance. It's not always going to work, but you know, that's the making process. Shit doesn't always work, but it'll take you somewhere else. Yeah. And, and you open. seem to really take that journey well. You know, you, you take that journey with openness and happiness, it seems. I just see the difference. Better than others. <laughs> I, but yeah. I, I just remember the, the coffee. Is it coffee or the tea drawings that I remember seeing you do one time? Which was oh, um, that's that was the teens. That was the teens. The teens saw on Instagram or something that somebody was doing paintings with coffee, and they were like, "Let's do a coffee painting workshop." And <laughs> you know, and I talked to the owner of the coffee shop, and she was like, "Absolutely, you're doing it here." Um, so, you know, I mean, that's one of those things that came from just being open to to the teens and what they wanted to do and their creativity. Yeah. And yeah, like I, you know, it wasn't like coffee painting became a thing that I did, but I had fun with it for a minute. Yeah. I mean, mm. it definitely like, yeah, being open to that, to, to their creative curiosity, right. Was, has been really powerful for me. Yeah, because I've seen you do print stuff to the extent yeah. that you made the favors for your wedding. You know what I'm saying? Oh, prints there. Well, yeah, that's um. Where did that come from? That was like a. That was something I learned. That was something I learned at Pratt um, in the education program there at the art ed, in the art ed program. I learned how to do that, and um, it's yeah, it's a very enjoyable process. Some of the, you know some of these things that I get to do. It's not so much that it's going to be like my art or the thing that is is my art, but sometimes it's just something that feels good to do mm. on a Sunday afternoon with a few friends, you know, 
couple glasses of wine. Like <laughs> that's sometimes that's what it is. Sometimes it's just something that feels good and that's healing in a way, you know. Mm. Um, the whole printmaking thing, there's another way that I learned to print make. Um, and I think I learned that either that was an art teacher conference thing or it was like a um it was something the teens wanted to do, but learning how to uh do this like these rubber linoleum it's not linoleum it's like a rubber cut mm -hmm. and um it was so there's something about sliding your cutter through the the rubber stuff it's like very like oh it's just it's so <laughs> satisfying <laughs> and um i remember bringing that to my veterans and they were like they were like we could do this all day long like they were just like <laughs> it's so like satisfying that there's some things that you can do in art that just are so physically satisfying and I don't mean that in a nasty way. Like mm. it just, they just feel good on a level yeah. that's just sort of like almost like self-nurturing, if that makes sense. So, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's just fascinating. And the crazy thing is, I think about, uh, as I said, like just watching your evolution is the way that it's inspired so many people around you. It's like your brother now makes wood sculptures. Your mm. dad does metal work. Like Ava, you know, she does paintings every now and again. It's just fascinating how you see. I don't to... think that stuff came from me, though. I but I, I think but I think it's just seeing you take these steps. It, it seems to have given other people maybe the confidence to explore their creativity. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm part of it, but, um, but I think I have to give my brother so much credit for also being a very curious, um, and he has surrounded himself within his own community with just really amazing creative people. And I've done the same. And I have to say that that is huge. Um, I wouldn't, be doing what I'm doing, I don't think, without that support from my creative community. So one of the things that I've done that I think has been really helpful, and I know my brother does this too, um, and I think even my dad to a certain extent, like he has some super creative, um, a creative friend or two that he's decided to, you know, sort of keep in the stable of friends. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I have these, um, there are groups in the community that have sort of formed and I've been very open to being called into those groups. Um, I've been very lucky to be part of those groups, but it has helped me a lot. Um, I get so much from them and I hope that I give them half of what they give me, but um, you know, there's all kinds of support about like, okay, so how are we, you know, how are we going to be artists who have businesses? You know, how are we going to be, artists who do this or that. Um, I just joined an online group of polymer clay creators. And um, that's where all this stuff about experimenting with pastels came with. It's a blue bottle tree, but um, it's Ginger, I think her name is Ginger Altman. And she, she runs this group and she's, ex she's incredible because she's like a scientist. She experiments with materials, with this specific material constantly. And she experiments like a scientist. I mean, she has She'll try it this way and then she'll try it that way. And she'll try it all, like, 
Mm. She'll like she'll like record her data like as far as like let's see if what happens if we bake this clay 10 degrees higher let's you know what i mean like it's and she just records her data so um carefully so that's really cool so now she has gathered together a bunch of people and we go online and we meet in zoom groups it's like a it's almost like a knitting group for people who work with polymer clay it's crazy <laughs> so and, and i've been part of a knitting group you know like um, and those ladies are very important to me, you know? Um, so just being part, just being, allowing yourself to be part of these different communities, I think also too is, I think that's where my brother gets some of that. You know, he's a visual effects creator for movies. He's worked on like, I'm just want to brag on him for a second. He's worked on like, um, some of the Marvel shows that are mm -hmm. on Disney Plus now. He's worked on some of those, um, He's worked on a lot of movies that, you know, you've seen. And uh, so I'm very proud of him. But I think he's very good at at surrounding himself with um, with a creative community that's very been very supportive and inspiring to him. So, yeah. So that's where that comes from. <laughs> <laughs> I have to give him credit because and he helps me, too. So he's part of my he's part of my sort of creative support group, you know, like um, especially since I've been the whole making lamps thing, like maybe that came from him. Oh, oh yes. That's where it came from because we decided we wanted to collaborate on a piece. Yes. We decided we wanted to collaborate. That's what happened. And um, we did collaborate on a piece and it sold immediately. And um, so I was like, and I was excited and I didn't want to stop doing that. And, but he's, his day job takes a lot from him. He's got two twin girls that are 12 and, so he said, I, twelve now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so every it, time it, I see them, they're bigger. I know. With, it's insane. I guess that oh, happens. Daughters <laughs> is an amazing. They're actually both really good artists, but um, Josie like really puts her heart and soul into it. So, um, but anyway, like, uh, so so that's what happened. Was it was just like, oh, it, it'll be a while before we can collaborate on something again. So I started looking for fixtures to respond to. That's what it was. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, so anyway, um, but I can call him like we, we're both on Marco Polo and sometimes if I'm having trouble with, um, how am I going to rewire this fixture? I'll just, I'll just dial Chris up. I'll, you know, send Chris a video going, help. <laughs> <laughs> and he's wonderful. And, you know, he usually responds pretty quickly and helps me problem solve. Um, my dad's really great about helping me problem solve sometimes, um, yeah. Or, or some of my other artist friends, you know, like I'll be like, oh, like, especially when it comes to business stuff, I'll tell you what, I have um, artist friends who are really incredible business people. And I've gotten a lot of um, great advice from them. Um, and, you know, uh, I have another friend who's a sculptor, Jim Hurst, and he sometimes he's on my he's on my creative support group list. <laughs> So, so, you know, I mean, everything is about a community, I guess, mm. you know, and it's great now there are online communities and um, there's another artist community I'm, uh, I'm a, in with uh, called the Artist Mother, Artist Mother Collective. It's an online group, but um, they, that's a really lovely community of women who make art, so yeah, go find a community. Everybody needs to just go find a community. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that some genius. of the... That's genius. 
bad freaking genius. You and I wouldn't know each other if it weren't for that community. <laughs> yeah, bad, bad genius, the Joe Q board. Yeah, that, well, it, it, that's it, right. It, it started with all, Joe Q. How it all God started. Bless him. God bless yeah. him. Because none of this, I don't know how much of this would be happening right now if, if I didn't know you guys. Talk about an emotional support group. Jesus. <laughs> Boy, yeah. No, I might not be here. No, no, those were some crazy yeah. times. I told Eric before, like, I think y'all are partially responsible for me being mentally well enough to have a relationship with him. <laughs> <laughs> And he did the rest. I mean, we together, he and I did the rest, but you know, <laughs> yeah, if it weren't for you guys, y'all saw me through some shit, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. It's funny. And it, there's a, a, a few creative people that, you know, doing these interviews and a lot of the film stuff I do, it, it's brought me into contact with a lot of different people. And I remember at a, a festival over here, I think two or three years ago um there's these guys jason and jim and they were doing this 3d um vr stuff i guess all vr stuff is 3d but i don't know <laughs> but they were doing this vr stuff and i was just speaking with them both during lockdown and jim has joined a lot of these photography and different art groups online and because I remember I just started seeing him post a lot of photography. I was like, oh, where's this all coming from? And he's like, yeah, I joined these online groups and we go and we talk and it's, you know, about different cameras and the lenses and stuff like that. And so, yeah, talking to a lot of the, you know, my friend Matt, um, he just had this during lockdown. He was producing videos all throughout and he just put them all together and he had the film launch just um earlier no it was september in august he he had that launch and That's watching so cool. him do this residency at this um art installation place in reading was just fascinating so yeah it's, it's it's very intriguing seeing how different people work and kind of coalesce their ideas with other people yeah you know? it's exciting i love that I, I love that stuff it's very exciting Mm, mm. Well, um, yeah, I feel that I'm kind of I'm taking up all your day, but uh, yeah, I, I, um, we've got we've got to go talk about being social. <laughs> well, actually, you know, um, we're headed to Cigar. Ah, splendid. Yeah, yeah. we haven't splendid, seen him in a really long time. Like I said, we don't socialize much anymore. But yeah. yeah, I remember when we I came over. We yeah, we went round his house. Yeah. And um, we, we just hung and that was fun. That yeah. was fun. Yeah, but, he's, he's good people. Talk about like he's part of my, my, you know, my little, I haven't, we don't get to talk as much as we used to, but, you know, he used to be a big part of my art support group when he was at the museum. So mm. I will definitely tell him you said hi. Yes. Yeah. G yeah. Give him his wife. Because um, his son's in the army now, right? Yeah, he um, his oldest is in the Air Force, and mm. his um, his second son just is in. Um, actually, he's in the band at Northwestern with um, with Jack. Oh, cool! Yeah, so they're both in college now. Ah. Yeah, <laughs> everything moves great. forward. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah. Well, again, tell people how they can follow what you've been doing. 
and um, commission stuff from you? Well, um, you can find me at cindyblairlightart.com. You can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Cindy Blair Light Art, um, L-I-G-H-T, art. <laughs> and um, yeah, if anybody wants uh, to talk about a commission or um, anything like that, you can just, um, just send me a DM and we can talk about it. You can also message me through the website and I'll get that. Um, but yeah, mm. yeah, oh, yeah. They, they should also join your mailing list. Yes. Yes. Join my mailing list. And, um, you can also do that through the website. Mm. Um, and, I need to and get people, better about because, sending, um, sending, yeah. sending mails. I, I'm sorry. Email blasts. I don't do it <laughs> very often, but I need to get better about it. It's one of those, um, one of those business goals I have. <laughs> <laughs> but with Christmas coming up mm -hmm. and, you know, Valentine's Day, if you do that, yep. hey, those earrings are a, a, a great little addition. I mean, to be honest with you people, mm. I would give my significant other a sculpture. You know what I mean? Get them the earrings, but also get them a sculpture because nothing yeah. says, I love you. <laughs> I, I appreciate you more than a goddamn original Cindy Blair, Cindy Cooper Blair will, sculpture. Yes, people have brought them for, for people for Christmas. And I actually, they've gone, um, I've had a few people buy them for birthday presents. I just sold a sculpture as a birthday present um, for somebody. So they, they do make a lovely gift. <laughs> Splendid. Well, all this information, all Cindy's socials will be in the um, episode information. So people go follow her. Just being able to see the different stuff that she does over, you know, months and whatnot is, is fascinating. Like she often does the, the painting online and stuff like that. So it's a real treat, people. Follow Cindy. She is an incredible person. And Cindy, I appreciate you spending this time. Yeah. And, can I uh, really quick plug the museum too? Yes. Um, if you want to see some really great art content, um, the Alexandria Museum of Art, um, can, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok at the Alexandria Museum of Art. There's, don't, they've got the YouTube channel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got YouTube, too. I always yeah. forget about YouTube. Um, yeah. <laughs> At the, yeah. We got YouTube as well. And um, our website is themuseum.org. Cool. Cool, cool, Thanks. cool. And have you got a procession coming up at all? We do. I'm a little nervous about it, given the state of um, everything. Hang on one second. I'm sorry, Kevin. All right. Because there is nothing like the procession live. You might see, you'll see pictures and you will be flabbergasted, but yeah, seeing it live, woo! Yeah, so, um, yeah, we have a procession coming up on October 16th. There will be video of that for sure. Um, well, I hope. I'm hoping we can get some drone footage. That would be so cool. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, October 16th. I'm a little nervous about it given um, the state of... COVID and everything, but um, we are going to try to be as safe as possible. Um, every, I'm going to make everybody mask and uh, apparently our numbers are down in this area. So, okay. 
from Ooh. recently. I mean, I think they still think they're pretty up, but, um, but yeah, so I'm excited about that. Cause that'll be the first one we've done since December, 2019. So mm. everybody's pretty excited, I think. Um, so yeah, that's happening and that'll be a beautiful, hopeful thing. Yeah. Bringing that light to the community as you always do. Doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank you, Kevin. Thank you so much. No Thank you for your time, Cindy. Yeah. Yeah. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. You take All right, care. Bye. Okay. So a few, hmm, I think it was a few weeks back. No, I mean, no, it's probably a month or so ago, right? I heard about a new Netflix show called The Chair. So it was going to be starring um, Sandra U, who I do enjoy, right? Now, there's some things, like, I don't watch everything she's in, right? I did, like, I, I tried Grey's Anatomy back in the day, and it was one of those things that was interesting at the start, but just became irritating, right? So I think I may, I maybe did the second season, or I ducked out halfway through, I forget. I tried uh, Killing Eve, you know what I mean? That frustrated the fuck out of me. Um, <laughs> like, no. I was talking to a friend about this the other day, right? And I was fine with it until my man got killed in the nightclub in the first season. Because I'm just like, homie's meant to be a spy. No way is a fucking spy not going to realise someone's following him, right? And then he's not going to go into a nightclub where he cannot assess his surroundings and put his ass at risk. Like, it's, it, was, it was ridiculous. Ridiculous. So, yeah, I, I was not about it. But, during, like, I liked Sideways and some other shit she's been in. So, I was down for it, man. I was, I, yeah, I realised this was a long tangent into yeah i checked out the chair right essentially i checked out the chair okay people so this is um oh it was directed all six episodes it's a six episode series essentially right half an hour roughly half an hour you know what i mean 25 to 30 minutes an episode all of them were directed by daniel gray Longino, and um, it was written by Amanda Pete, Annie Wyman. So they they worked on all six episodes, and Richard Robbins helped out on one of the episodes as well. Okay, so it's produced by David Beanoff. Um, Bernadette Clawfield, um, Longuino, Pete, they were involved. Hamed Shukat, DB Wise. So I think this must be under Being Off and Wise's um Netflix deal thingy thing, right? That's what I'm assuming. Um, Tyler. Romari, Richard Robbins, um, 
and uh, Sandra U. So they were all producing in some extent on the series. Music is from Stephanie Ekonumu. Cinematography is Jim Frona. Uh, edited by Jay Doobie. Production design was a Grace Alley. And the cast. The cast. Well, as mentioned, okay, it's starring Sandra U. She plays Ji Yoon Kim. Um, and we also have Jay Duplass, right? Those motherfucking Duplass brothers. Only one, but hey, Jay's always good. You know what I mean? And he plays her, um, yeah, Kim's best friend kind of thing. Um, Bill Dobson. Uh, so we have um, Everly. Carganilla plays Kim's daughter Yuhi uh, or otherwise known as Juju. Uh, we have um, Bob Balaban who plays Elliot Rents, one of the teachers at the school. We have David Morse as Dean Paul Larson, Kim's boss. Uh, Holland Taylor plays Joan Hambling, another of the teachers. Okay, we've got Frank Sanos, who plays um, the English professor, Professor Kaur. Um We also have... Nana Menesh Mensa Nana Mensa who plays Yaz McKay um also a friend of Kim and um a, another fellow in the English department okay so uh we've got Ji Young Lee who plays Habi um Kim's dad yeah, uh, and we've got uh, a lot of the students played by Ella Rubin, um, Jordan Tyson, she plays a girl called Capri, uh, Darius Fraser plays a guy called Kareem, um, Vinnie. Costananza plays a guy called Dustin. Shay Guffrey plays Shay. Simone Joy Jones plays Joy. Yeah. And there's a, you know, there's a lot of other people involved, essentially, people. Okay? So, um, the gist of it is this. Dr. Ji Young Kim... As she navigates her new role as the chair of the English department at prestigious Pembroke University. Ji Yoon is faced with a unique set of challenges as the first woman to chair the department and as one of the few staff members of colour at the university. 
Right, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm sure you can imagine some of the, uh, pitfalls, you know what I mean, that, um, are involved with all of this, and, you know, they, they, they definitely try to, uh, yeah, oh, I will say, Pete and Wyman did create the series as well, anyway, but, uh, yes, so, uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, trying to address a lot of the things that I feel have kind of come up over recent years, you know, when you think of, uh, stuff like that we've seen with Jordan Pedersen, right, and stuff like that, you know, that's all, we, we're addressing those sort of subject matters here, and it's, look, essentially, this isn't a bad show, I thought there was a, a lot of promise here, in the, the characterization, right, not looking at the story, but I thought a lot of the interactions between people felt genuine, felt good, right, I think the stuff between, um, uh, oh gosh, what are the names, the frigging names, um, you know, Kim and, uh, or I should probably say just Zhu Ying, Zhu Yun and Bill, like, those interactions felt very good, you know, when, um, is a scene, right, because, uh, and I don't think this is a spoiler plot, right, there's stuff in here about the fact that Yuju doesn't speak Korean, right, but there's a moment in it where, because, you know, Yuyun's like, you know, she does, she knows a lot of the stuff, right, she just doesn't really want to, you know, talk it all the time, but there's a moment where she, you know, she says something at a pivotal moment that really works, and there's this really nice little heartfelt moment where she gives her mum a hug, right, both, uh, you know what I mean, they worked, right, it was very good, and I think, yeah, a lot of the stuff with Bill is very good, and, um, you know, there's other interactions that felt honest, like with Ju Ying and Yaz, or Joan, right, all of that worked, with Habby, there are some subtitles, I will say that, there are some subtitles, which, uh, you know, but it was slow, wasn't super fast, so I was able to uh, follow it, and then you can, uh, you know, pause, pause works, you know what I mean, um, but yeah, they that all worked and it felt good, right? Those little things, and there were certain things that get pointed out, like in this baby birthday party, some weird thing. Something happened in there, which I kind of feel, yeah, someone's got like, I think someone that isn't part of that culture would maybe point. I mean. Depending on the character, they're gonna point that shit out. Because it was some fucked up weird shit, right? It was some dumb shit. 
so there is that then I just felt um there was a few other things that were a little a few things were a little off right i I did think because there is this this whole thing about triggers i mean you 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 knew there would be right you knew there would be <laughs> so how did they handle it? I thought some of the discussion was correct, right? I thought there was definitely things that were said here that you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Or, yes, that's part of the conversation. That's fine. That's good. I did, though, feel that some big things were missed here. And it is such a shame it is such a shame. And I don't know why. I don't know why. Right? Because context. Context. It's the big fucking thing. It's the big fucking thing. And it, it was completely gone. Now, when you look at the incident, right? It was something that happened within a lecture. And now, I will say... Right, the the thing that was done did seem a little out of place, right? You're just like, mm, hey, like, why? You know what I mean? I mean, that thing now, I think it would make sense if you know that the person is, um, oh gosh, how do you, uh, Oh, I can't think of the word. You know, Jim Carrey. You know how Jim Carrey, when he acts, he's very, um, he, he throws his arms about and does stuff and all of that kind of thing, right? Now, if, uh, if, if the person is like that, yes, that makes sense, right? That will make sense. I get it. But we didn't really see much evidence of that. Now, he was very kooky, right? He is very kooky. He did make, try and use humour a lot. So, there is that. But the the big thing was, then, after this one weird moment, the rest of what he was saying fit, right? It, it fit within everything that was meant to be part of this thing. And I I was just... It seemed weird, right? Because you think, okay, yes, in a classroom full of all of these people, there's definitely going to be people that will, you know, take that moment, right? There's definitely people that would take that moment. Now, you do wonder, why would they even film that, right? Why would they know? Because, you mean, it happened so quickly, you're just like, who'd have the, there's no chance to have your phone up and, you know what I mean, there was, so there was that, but, you're telling me that no one in that classroom, right, had the other argument of, well, within the context of what he was saying, that makes sense, right, like, there has to be the counter argument, now, I, I, yeah, I can definitely see people 
going the way in which they did within this show. But I also feel there's going to be at least a few, at least a few, who are just like, no, 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 no. He, that's not what he did, right? That's not what he did. And then the other big thing is, we're meant to believe that everyone loves this guy, right? The students love this guy, and they think, blah, blah, blah. So, again, context. You know what I mean? Like, you know the character of someone. You know that, oh, they've been very helpful in this instance. They've stood up for this. They've done this. They've done that. So, it just seems weird that no one... No one was just like, hold the fuck on, right? Now, there was one girl who was just like, oh, um, I don't know if you should do that, or maybe you should just say this, right? So, there, there's that, but, yeah, it, 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 that I thought that was weird, and I thought this was a good opportunity to go people you need to remember context right it's not just about calling people these names or weaponizing these moments to fit a certain narrative you know but they didn't and i thought that was one huge shame you know also right there, there was this whole thing about these old white dudes, and there was a woman in the end who who tr- who uh, started a little something. And there's points in the show that are going, yeah, we're trying to fight against this thing, and ba ba ba. But they then just allow this thing to go down. Right, and that felt a little weird. It felt a little weird how you know the show went in that direction, and nothing else was brought up. Right, now it does show. Right, you know, I think as we see and have seen, especially of late, you know, with. Everything that went down with George Floyd and just the craziness in 2020. When, yeah, don't get me wrong. It's not just 2020. It's been happening uh, since day dot. But it really blew up last year, right? I think we all know that. And we have seen people play a lot of lip service. So, obviously, right, Pembroke is playing lip service, but the the way it all kind of unfolds, right, I feel people would have said certain things, you know what I mean, people would have said certain things, and especially when they're trying to spin certain things out, right, there would have been a conversation, you know what I mean, because we get the crisis dude, right, so you're telling me that no one's going to be like, okay, if we do this, it would look bad. You know, but not, but we don't see that. So it, there's certain things that you do kind of feel like, eh, this is weird. Right? I can see what you're trying to do, but the this part doesn't make any sense. Right? 
So, listen, I did enjoy it. I thought that I thought the show was, you know, decent. It has promise for sure. There are certain things in it, though, I did feel that it's just like, okay, they are trying to push a narrative on certain topics, on certain hot-button topics, political topics. It's funny. I, I, I saw a, um, a, a review in The Guardian. Right, and they're just like, oh, and they, oh, they weren't trying to push anything, and it seemed all perfectly fine, and blah blah blah, and I'm just like, yo, lady, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> but uh, you know, I feel our backgrounds are very different, so it doesn't surprise me that she looks at it in a drastically different way than what I would look at it, but. I think you also, though, you the, the, in the later episodes, there is a kind of conversation between Ji Young and Yaz that, again, were a little bit, hmm? Because I'm just like, look, you two, they're both friends, right? And so you'd kind of be like, yo, yo, you know the, the pressure she would be under, right? So what the fuck are you doing? Like, what are you saying? And it's fine to have disagreements, it's fine to have this, but I kind of feel people will, a lot of people will bring that up, like, yo, 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 why are you, tr- look, how long the fuck have you known me, why are you coming at me like this, this is fucking ridiculous, then the person be like, oh yeah, but from my point of view, right, which is fine, or, ah, fuck, you know what, you're right. I don't even, sorry man, I'm just stressed, right, I, I shouldn't have flipped out, because I know your character, right, but we didn't see those conversations, and it's just like, ah, yeah, we should have seen those, right, again, the way it kind of ends, right, it ends with this transition, and it's just like, there, right, what we end on is still, you know, Now, I I find the word irritating, right? But it was used a lot in the show. White privilege, right? But it it ends on this thing that doesn't kind of distill or detract from that notion, right? And you're just like, eh, it's kind of still, you know what I mean? Back to the old ways, to a certain extent, right, so, we're not addressing that, we're not talking on that, it was a little odd, it was a little odd, ain't gonna lie, but, I mean, I can see this being a hit, I can see this being popular, I can see it getting renewed, so it will be interesting to see where they take the second season, you know what I mean, so, I think, there are a lot of questions left with this show, so I'm 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 going to wait, wait and see, because I feel the second season will let me know, is this worthwhile or not, right? Because as I said, it's not terrible by any means. There's some good stuff in this, but. It's how are they going to run these storylines? Are they really going to 
be a little wishy-washy on, on some of these topics? Or are they going to be a bit more hard-hitting? Right? So, um, yeah, I think season two will tell us that. But, you know, if you like Duplass, ooh, and the other talented individuals in the show... There is a special guest appearance in, oh, I think episode three, maybe four, right? But if, if you enjoy these peoples, yeah, go check out the chair. As I said, look, six episodes, half an hour episode. Man, you, you're going to breeze through it. You're going to breeze through it, all right? So it's on Netflix right now. People, enjoy it.